I would like to make an introduction this morning. Eugene Evgeny Soligobinko is going to be preaching for us this morning. Uh, we have a, several international partnerships, and none is more important than the partnership that we have in Moldova with uh, Kishinev Bible Church and Eugene as their pastor. Eugene has preached for us a number of times before and will be preaching for us this morning. Good morning. Let me set up here for just a second. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here. I would really like to thank uh, Pastor Andy. I told him uh, yes, uh, the day before yesterday when we met that he is my hero. Uh, somebody who's uh, been through thick and thin and served the church for uh, 30 years. Uh, it's an uh, uh, awesome honor, and thank you so much for the opportunity to, to speak on a Sunday just right before that celebration. But it is a truly, truly uh, an amazing um, uh, opportunity uh, to celebrate 30 years of ministry because, you know, the Lord did say there's one prayer request there is harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And it's praise God for the faithful workers. Um, I very much appreciate the opportunity to share with you here today. And, you know, as missionaries, uh, there's always, um, you know, we, 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 we always try to learn um, to relate to different cultures. And, uh, you know, having traveled to the States, I think it was 2005 when I met Pastor Andy and... Um, I saw these Americans with Bibles, and uh, I was one of these naive Moldovans, and, uh, you know, I knew that, you know, there's people with a fish on their car, that means they're Christian. And if they have Bibles in their hands, it means they're Christian. So I'll just come up and, you know, in a kind of gullible way, talk to them. I've later learned that not everybody who has a fish on their car is a Christian or acts like one. And then I've also learned that not everybody who holds the Bible in their hand is also a Christian. But it was a, it was a wonderful, uh, awesome experience. But let me see if I've actually learned a little bit to relate more to culture. I have two words. Uh, first of all, the word of greetings uh, from Moldova, from Kishinev Bible Church, um, to many uh, of you that have been to Moldova, a special greeting. And then to those of you who are still yet to come to Moldova, a very, very special greeting. Uh, and then to uh, the church, thank you so much for being part of uh, what we do for over 12 years now. Uh, we have the strategic partnership. I'll share a little bit more about it today. But uh, two other words are, and, and let's see if I culturally relate. Uh, I have a word of congratulations to all the Baylor fans. All right, yes, yeah, so American culture, American football. And I have a word of condolences to all the Texas fans. Now, I honestly, I did not watch either of the games, but as I was coming, uh, our hosts were saying, well, make sure you say this in the church. You'll see people will be excited. But I do, I do, uh, you know, uh, not to say that I don't like any other schools as a Moldovan. I probably don't have a favorite team, but if, if I actually own two T-shirts and both of them have a Baylor on it. So I don't really know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. You can tell me afterwards and come up and share with me. But no matter what the culture you're coming from, um, you may be, uh, you may relate to this. We all have one teacher in our lives. We all have one person that has made a difference. And you know, um, just uh, think about, think about this uh, for, for just a second. We don't like when people tell us what to do. You know, we all go through these terrible teens when we think we know what we're doing. Some of us who are actually male, we do not like to grow out of that. And so, you know, the instructions, you know, who made up the instructions? I know how to, I know how to do it, right? Who made up the directions? I know how to get there. 
It only after a while I've learned that I actually will benefit from having uh, GPS and, and, and then it's very important to follow the instructions of the GPS. And so a lot of times we, we like to learn things on our own. We really don't like people telling us we, we, we want to put it under doubt. But we all have in our life this one person. If you have more than one, you are an extremely lucky person. This one teacher that has taught you not just the information, but has taught you to love that specific subject. I can think of this gentleman in my life. I was in the fourth grade. His name is, was Yefim. He was known as the karate guy. Because you didn't get in trouble in his class. One time we, 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 had this, we, we had this story of when he would pick up one kid and throw him into the door because the kid was misbehaving and the door flung open and he broke it. And we knew that you don't mess with Mr. Yefim. But you know, he was a history teacher and anytime we misbehaved and we heard his coming down the, down the hall, we knew that we needed to sit quiet. But he was my favorite teacher because he put the love of history into my heart. In his classes, we never learned, but we knew history. He didn't give us this dry information, but he was able to talk about history in such a way that I really fell in love with it. He was my teacher only for about one semester. And then he was gone. But this is the kind of person that I would like to sit down and ask him questions and learn more. And this one teacher teaches me so much. Now, you may not have that kind of a teacher, but you know, you may actually have, um, many of you know social media, Facebook, Instagram. I see people, especially young people, will put up a very smart statement and they'll put under Confucius or, uh, you know, Zoroastra said or, or Chinese proverb. And we, 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 we try to get this wisdom. And so there was a time in the Old Testament as, uh, the Old Testament was coming to an end and there was this, this man walking down in the Palestinian villages. As he was down, walking down through Israel, he was teaching something and people were listening to what he was saying and they were amazed. And so 2,000 years later, people will quote things he says. Sometimes they won't even attribute it to him. They're just, they'll just say something. Love your enemies. You know, it's a golden rule. Well, Jesus says that, right? Do to others as you would like for them to do unto you, the golden rule. And so a lot of times people try to, try to imagine, you know, Jesus, you know, he existed. He was this great teacher and we need to learn from Jesus. And so all these people that walk around the earth with their Bibles in their hands, that are not always Christians, they will tell you about what Jesus taught. They will tell you that Jesus was a great teacher. What I would like to share with you today is that I actually do not believe that Jesus was a great teacher. Before you stone me, bear with me. Because he never claimed to be a great teacher. He did teach. But there was a very important difference between him and all the other teachers in the world. And we have a benefit of sitting, sitting under his feet and learning from him. And because of the four gospel writers, we can understand his message. You know, there was this time, and we'll read this uh, from Matthew 16, 13, and uh, 17. There was this time when uh, Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples... Who do people say that the Son of Man is? This is a term, a, a, a title that Jesus often referred to himself. The Son of Man. Who do people say the Son of Man is? 
And they said, some say John the Baptist. Because John was beheaded. And they believed he, maybe he came back. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And the very important question in verse 15. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter. The guy who always, and I guess another cultural thing. Uh, wanted to... Uh, Put a foot in his mouth, right? Is that how you say it in English? The guy who always was first to speak and then first to regret. He says, but you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You see, I do not believe that Jesus came to give us a great teaching. Well, you say, well, Evgeny, Eugene, uh, what about the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, you start reading the Gospels and you write, you, you, write, you, you get to this great teaching, you know, here's what the Bible says, but I say, Jesus says. And you know, He gives us this new code that we need to live by. He gives us this new law. Well, when you read it closely, you realize it's not new. He just clarifies that. Well, you know, when I look at this, you know, if I came to you and I asked you, well, who do, who, do, who do people say that I am? Who do you think I am? Well, you'll say, well, you're a missionary from Moldova. No, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? Well, you, you kind of look at me as like, what do you mean? You're, you're Moldovan. That's kind of a weird question to even ask the disciples, right? Who do people say that I am? You see, I contend that the message of Jesus was not to come and give us a brain new teaching. But the message, if you look at all the things that Jesus taught, you know, some New Testament scholars, they, they search through the New Testament and they say that the kingdom of God is the main theme of everything that Jesus was teaching about. Others say that Jesus, you know, what is the most, the biggest subject that Jesus ever preached about? People say, well, he spoke a lot about money. There's some churches that believe that. Well, you see, when people look at that and they walk around with their Bibles and they talk about how Jesus, you know, this is what Jesus said, this is what you need to do. They miss the main point of Jesus's every single sermon, every single time Jesus spoke. The main topic of Jesus's sermons was him himself. Think about the Sermon on the Mount for just a second. Here's what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I, you know, we hear sermons about the poor in spirit. We hear the sermons about what it means to be blessed. Very rarely do we hear sermons based on the word are. Blessed are. But see, the thing is that this is the key in this whole statement. Israel was an Eastern culture. It's very much unlike our culture. There's always a cultural difference. We always need to learn how to, re how to relate to other cultures. Israel was a shame-based culture. Shame-honor. Nobody would want to come across as poor. Nobody would want to come across as ashamed. I mean, after all, I work with my hands. But Jesus comes and says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And if you look, read through the Psalms, the poor in spirit actually refers to the people who rely on God in their daily life. Don't rely on themselves, but rely on God. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, 
He didn't say for there, there will be the kingdom of heaven. It's not the future coming of the kingdom. He says there is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because He is with them. He is about to tell them something very important. He is about to show them that He is the Messiah. You see, if you and I would like to make changes and... Um, Say Sherlock Holmes has the book, The Hound of Buskerville. I was a kid, I was scared to death of that little movie. It was during the Soviet times. I loved Sherlock Holmes, but The Hound of Buskerville was scary. And I couldn't understand why would this dog be so evil. And as, a, as, a, as somebody who likes dogs, let's say, let's just change that and call it The Cat of Baskerville. I don't like cats that much. I'm just kidding. But I mean, why, you know, so, so let's, let's make a petition, right? You know, in America, I guess you're another cultural thing. We can write a petition on some website, change.org, and maybe, you know, make the change to Sherlock Holmes. You look at me and say, Eugene, you know, you, you kind of misinterpreting American culture very much, and good luck with, good, good luck to you, right? Because who has the right to make those changes? The author. If Arthur Conan Doyle decided to make a change, and I had a conversation with him, traveled back in time, and we decided, and you know, he could have made that change. Well, you see, Jesus begins to talk, blessed is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Moreover, he begins to correct Moses. He begins to make, almost makes, you know, you know what, like, you know, it says this, but I say to you. And in the very end, they are amazed at his teaching. When you think of Matthew 7, it says, when Jesus was finished this, uh, saying these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as the one who has the authority, and not as the scribes. You see, he had the authority. Who has the authority to make changes? The author. And the amazement was that he didn't refer to a rabbi such and such. He didn't refer to a teacher such and such. He spoke as the one who has the authority to make those very important changes. Jesus was preaching about himself. I took a class two weeks ago, New Testament theology. And it was very interesting, and the professor was making really good points, and he was doing his research, and he has a PhD. But you know what? Sometimes having a degree doesn't necessarily mean that we see. We just know how to study. We just have the information. And when I ask him, what do you think was the main, the main topic that Jesus taught? He said the kingdom of God. And he called it different realms. And you know, the old realm, the new realm. And I brought this to him and I said, but do you realize that Jesus actually spoke a lot about himself? Think about this. Jesus talks. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who is he talking about? Himself. Jesus says, I am the source of the living water when he's talking to the woman at the well. It's not about the water. It's not about the place of worship. It's about him. I am the source of the living water. You will want my water that I give to you. I am the vine and you are the branches. When Jesus speaks in John 15, he talks to his disciples and he says, I am the vine. I am that source. You believe in God. That's good. Believe also in me. Every single time Jesus talks, He is in the center. He is the message. It's not selfish if you are the creator of the world. 
It is the truth. Come to me, all those who are weary, and I will give you rest. It's amazing that Jesus is the message of Jesus Christ. Him, Himself. Who do people say that I am? Is the most important question that a person may answer. Who do you say that Jesus is, is going to mean the difference between life and death in eternity. And it also means life and death for the 8 billion people, just under 8 billion, who are living on the face of the earth. And this number is growing. And this people desperately needs to have a response to who do people say that I am. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one. You know, you, you, you know, you, you know you, there's, there's another passage. You know, Jesus said, love one another. A new message, a new commandment I give to you. So, you know, you will say, you know, you, you, you just missed this one passage. Jesus gives a new commandment. But you know the, new, the newness of the commandment is in the very following verse. Love one another as I have loved you. You see, if you read Old Testament, love is part of the law. He doesn't say anything new when he says love one another. The new thing, the new dimension of love is Jesus himself. As I have loved you. And then he goes up to the Golgotha. Goes up to the cross and shows this kind of love. He demonstrates this kind of love to you and I, to the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, and He truly showed His love to us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus didn't say it is finished after He preached the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't say it is finished after He spoke in the upper room with His disciples. He did say it is finished while He was hanging on the cross. That's when it was finished. When he became the sacrifice. When he gave his life so that you and I don't have to die. You see, he knew the problem of a humanity that is fallen, that is selfish. And the problem that we could not do anything to fix our problem. We couldn't come into the presence of God. Since the time of Adam and Eve making a choice to disobey God. We had no way of coming back into his presence. It's not because He didn't love us. He loves us. But He is a just God and He cannot allow sin in His presence. And so He took care of our problem by sending His only Son who lived this 33 years on the earth. And He said, love one another as I have loved you. And then He goes and shows this kind of love. Not just washing feet of each other, which He just did that. But also giving His very own life. And then God raises him from the dead. And we know that the message of Jesus Christ is that he is the promised Messiah. He is the promised Redeemer. But not like other Redeemers. You see, in Israel, a Messiah, there were other people who claimed to be Messiah. Judah Maccabees, I mean, you can read about, you know, all those Jewish wars. And you can read about from, you know, Josephus and all those wonderful uh, stories. You know, the celebration of the Hanukkah. God's deliverance. The great victories. But Jesus didn't come as a Messiah that people wanted. 
They wanted somebody to come and beat up all the enemies and show the Romans their place and establish an earthly kingdom and show that Israel has the glory. The zealots were standing there strong and Peter being one of the zealots, he eventually looks at Jesus and he realizes that is not that kind of a Messiah I was waiting, but he is the true Messiah. He is the son of the living God. In the Gospel of John, there's, a, there's an interesting situation. I actually have a little photo, not photo, but a picture. You know, you see when Jesus is being arrested in the garden, they come to him and they say, well, are you? Are you that Jesus? Are you that Christ? Are you that Messiah? They're coming there to arrest him. Judas already shows. And they ask him that question. You know what he says? He says, Ego eimi. But you see, when I said that, it didn't, nothing changed here. But when you read the Gospel of John, you know what happens? They all fall down on the ground. Because what he just said, he didn't just claim to be the Messiah, but he says, I am God. Ego eimi is I am the one who revealed himself to Moses. And he is that ego Amy, I am. So Jesus doesn't claim to be the Messiah, but he claims to be the very God. He is the I am. And just like when the whole, when, when God came to the temple and all those priests standing and singing and glorifying God couldn't stand on their feet and they all fall down because God's presence is in this place. When he proclaims that he is the Messiah, suddenly they fall down because Jesus proclaims of who he is. And then he goes willingly on the cross. You see, it is this message of the Messiah that the world desperately needs to hear. And it is this message of the Messiah that we're preaching from here in Belton, in Temple, across Texas, And to the outermost parts of the earth, to Moldova, to the team that is just coming back from Indonesia. So why are so many efforts are being poured into sending missionaries and and, and planting churches in, uh, is it Demon? You don't, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes those, those names in Iowa, right? Okay. Why, 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 why so much? Why are we so concerned about this? Why did five teams come to Moldova to serve the children and teenagers and the elderly? And why, why not go on a vacation and just rest in the glory? And then just knowledge that Jesus has saved me. Because it is a message of the gospel. It is the good news. That is the good news. That Jesus is not a Messiah. He is the very God who comes in order to provide a way of salvation. And it is a message that is desperate. Desperately needs to be taken to the ends of the earth. And so I want to thank you for, for being a partner in partnership with us in this. And so I, w- I will share about what we're doing in Moldova, but I wanted to kind of lay a foundation. And I will not tire to lay this foundation. Why are we doing what we're doing? Because of who Jesus is. And because of His good news. Because He is the Savior of the world. And so, just to give you a, a, a little bit of an update of what's going on in Moldova. So, there's three areas that our ministry is really focused on. We focused on evangelism, so we do all kinds of outreach. 
Then we do missionary training. That is where the seminary, that is where the discipleship comes in. And then another thing that we have been doing, but actually are focusing in 2018. So even since January, when I was here as part of the Global Missions uh, uh, Fellowship, uh, even since then, we had a number of developments where we're strategically taking the, the gospel to places where Westerners cannot go. We're opening new churches in Moldova, planning new churches in Uzbekistan. In just a second about this. So what we're doing is we work in the city of Kishino. This is a little bit of a photo of an actual area of the city where Kishinev Bible Church is located that I have an honor of being a teaching pastor of. This is where Moldova Bible Seminary is located with 167,000 people living in it. And you say, well, where is Moldova? Where is Moldova? What is Moldova? You know, I know some of you have known me and you come and you give me a hug because I'm one of your own. And some of you came to the church this morning and think, well, who is this guy? And I'm hearing all this Moldova and that, that picture on that bulletin, that is not Moldova. That's okay. In order to see Moldova, you have to come and see it with your own eyes. But Moldova is uh, a country located between Ukraine and Romania. It's uh, actually, uh, let me show you a little bit of a map. It's uh, north of the Black Sea. It's uh, between the east and the west. We are not part of the European Union, but we border the European Union. Ukraine is on the north, east, and the south. Romania is on the west. It is a beautiful country. If you ever want to see the largest underground winery in the world, and I'm talking about 135 miles of underground streets, 35 miles of an actual winery, you're like riding down this little... And if you're into running, come in January, we actually have a 10K run in this, in, in, in this underground. Join me for a run. It's a, it's a beautiful country. We produce beautiful crops. We produce grapes. The Moldovan wine is on the table of the Queen of England. But it's also being a beautiful country, also a very poor country. Over 60% of the population live below poverty level. About one-third of the country left the country in search for jobs. And the way I put it is Moldova is truly where the East meets the West. Now, I'm not really sure of that, 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 whether they made up this. It's not a Photoshop, but I don't know if they you know, just told the guy, just come up to McDonald's, we'll take a picture of you. But it is a country with a lot of groceries, a lot of fresh food. If those of you that are coming back next year, I know you love the children and you love to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, but be honest, number two reason is Moldovan food. <laughs> Moldova is the country that sends the most missionaries into the former Soviet Union. It is the country that is uh, 50% of the Russian-speaking missionaries in the mainland of Russia. And effective 2017, January 2017, some of you heard of the Yaravaya law, which basically doesn't allow evangelism outside of the church walls. There's been dozens and dozens and dozens of cases of prosecution. I sat yesterday morning with uh, Jason Gish, and we sat down and we, we had breakfast. But before we started eating those wonderful, um, um, I actually, I'm not going to tell you what I had, but I had Mexican food. Before we had that wonderful food, we had an opportunity to pray. And when Jason was asking me, how, would, how, how are things going? I had to tell him, do you realize that what we just did, there's a couple in Russia right now being prosecuted for praying like this in a restaurant because 
they were reported by an owner and they counted as an evangelism, as evangelism, as proselytizing. And so, even though this is true, Moldovans can still go into Russia. I just got contacted by another girl who's taking a team to Russia, to the city of Samara. They've been there a year ago and they're going again, in spite of the fact that they can end up in prison, that they can be prosecuted, they can be, they can be fined. They are intending to go, to take a team of Moldovans, to go on the streets of Samara and share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we do is we do urban outreach, urban evangelism. Some of you were part of this. We come out to the schools. We come out on the fields. We play soccer. You don't have to know how to play soccer to come to Moldova because the kids will play better than you anyway. (laughs) But we do share the good news with them. And we allow them to understand who Christ is in our lives. We work with families that are challenged financially. We go to public schools and we, 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 we work with families that, that, where the parents don't have jobs. There's two kinds of families. There are either poor families where the parents are there, they just can't provide. And then there's families where there's, with their, their, there's children uh, living on their own, but the father or mother are gone as migrant workers. In the south of Moldova this year, we sent three teams from our church in KBC, just like you come to work with us. We sent a team to go to the south of Moldova to this town of Vulcanesht. We found out there is a Christian center that has only four people working with 125 kids every single day. And majority of these kids, their parents, either one or both parents left either for Turkey or for Russia as migrant workers. And these kids have nowhere to go and they are either given to the streets, to the vices, or this Christian center can help them. And so in January, as I was traveling here, I received a text message saying, have you considered planting a church? And you know, if I told you, wouldn't it be nice to plant a church in Boston? You'd look at me and say, hey, you know, sounds good. You know, planting a church, that's good. The question is, why Boston? Why us? That was my first reaction. And so after several months, actually, sometime in May, finally the Lord brought me to that Christian center and I I saw what was going on. And within 30 minutes, me and my co-pastors, we're sitting and we're fellowshipping with his family. We're realizing we need to plant a church there. Because there's 125 kids that are being impacted by the gospel throughout the whole summer. There's 45 teenagers. And there's not a single evangelical church that will take them, disciple them. And these are Turkish-speaking teenagers who within five years... Four or five years can become missionaries to take the gospel to 100 million people across Turkey. And you think, well, why Moldovans? Because today we don't even have to have a passport to go to Turkey. Moldova and Turkey have developed a relationship where I can go with my driver's license for up to three months. And so we are positioned small, insignificant, but we can go to Russia. We can go to Western Europe. We can go to Turkey. We can go to the Central Asia. And that's what we're doing. Right now, effective this year, we're planting four new churches in Moldova. We, uh, uh, first weekend of October, there was a, uh, initiated a church plant in the northeastern part of the, uh, part of the city of Chisinau with 150,000 people living in it. And there's only one strong evangelical church there now. There was one and they just announced they're moving away for 150,000 people. We're planting a church in Vulcanesht. We're planning a church in the small village of Troitska. And then first week of December, we're bringing six new church planters from Uzbekistan. 
And these are the people, let me kind of give you a little bit of an update since we don't have much time, but I just want to give you an update. Some of you have been praying for this, for this people in Uzbekistan about two years ago. If you remember, you received an email from me. And this email said that we had one of our churches, we had five churches in the network. One of this, uh, one of our churches was, uh, uh, they were arrested. So, the churches in Uzbekistan, 11 people got arrested. Six people got charged. They gave them a maximum fine of $2,000 each. That is with about $100-$150 average income. So you're talking about over a year income for one family to pay. We're trying to raise money to help them out. It devastated the entire network of churches. Half the people left. But you know what the pastor was telling me? He says, you know the most encouraging thing? As people were questioned, are you a believer? Not a single one of them have denied that they believe in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And then three months later, after this whole ordeal was over, and you know, we told them that they, they had their phones and that that's the, the best thing for them to, to, how they can access the Bible. It was very hard to get Bibles. The government wouldn't allow the printing. We were able to provide them 60 Bibles. The Bible Society somehow was able to print the Bibles in Uzbek language. And we got our hands on 60 of those Bibles and we provided it to the entire network. A year and a half later, I was receiving reports from Alexei. He said, we're baptizing. They're still baptizing. Now, they said a river. I don't see a river. A puddle. Well, maybe, maybe a river. And since that, so this was last spring. Since that, now we have six new church planters that we're bringing to Kishina, Moldova for a planning conference. We spent this, uh, this year in July planning. We have bringing six of them to Moldova and as many as 10 are going to start churches effective January of 2019. And all of this is because what we're doing together with you, we come out to the, to the schools. We do evangelism. We do art school. We go to, to, to run the camps. We use English as second language. Now, we, 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 we connect with these kids. We take them and then we disciple them. We have Moldova Bible Seminary, which is a place where students get trained. These young men and women. This was our class actually that started last year. We added another 12 students this year. And so these young men and women, as they're trained, then they are the ones that are taking the gospel to places where you cannot go. But when we put our efforts together, when we reach them on the streets, when we disciple them through the seminary, and then we put together the efforts and provide the resources and send them, put them on a mission field, this is the relationship of First, of First Baptist Church and Kishinev Bible Church. And this is the last 12 years of working together to reach out to the ends of the earth. And we pray for many more years of successful relationship. And then there's a way you can be a part of this, not just as a church, but individually as families. Now, when you walked in here, you, were, you, you, could, you, had, you had a chance to pick up one of these nice magnets. This is, if, if, if anything, pick up a magnet so you can hold the other pictures on your refrigerator. But every once in a while, when you see that, would you consider continuing to pray for Irene, uh, Irina and I? And also, you have an opportunity to pray for one of the seminary students. We have the photos of the new students as you walk out of this hall. After the service, there's a couple tables. And there's photos of the students on the table. They're brand new students who need your prayer. 
And you can pick up one of these cards. If you don't mind, there's a little white card where you can put your name, you know, maybe your email if you would like to be on our list. And then maybe we, uh, if you write the name of the student, we will try to keep you updated on how they are doing, that you're praying for that specific student. You can pick up one per family, or you can pick up one each, however the Lord leads you. But we can partner on the level of prayer. We can partner on the level of going, and I hope to see many of you come to Moldova in 2019. Now, I cannot ask for more than five teams. Man, you're, praise God. Thank you. Well, maybe three teams this year. Strong teams. And let's reach out these people for the sake of the one who is not a teacher, who is not even the teacher, but who is very God himself, who is the Messiah, who came and showed us his love by dying on the cross. And maybe you're sitting here and, 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 and suddenly just kind of like a light comes up in your mind and you realize, wait a second, is that what Jesus did? Is this what he's offering? Is this what the gospel about? I am a sinner. He's a holy God who comes in and dies for me. And I need this Savior. And if this is about you, and maybe as the service comes to an end, you need to make this choice and come up forward and talk to the pastor and talk, maybe talk to me or who, the, the people here and say, I want to receive Jesus in my heart. I want him to transform my life. Maybe you've been sitting here and listening. Missions? I need to be a part of that. I need to go. And you've been really feeling in your heart that you need to make this choice. Maybe then you need to come and make this commitment to Christ. And say, Jesus, yes, I am willing. I don't know if it's today, or if you're going to tell me in a week, or in a year, or I need to still get training, or I should have been there a long time. So, Lord, I know what you want me to do. But if it describes you, as we come to the end, and I'll turn it over to Pastor Andy, I want you to prayerfully consider that this message of the gospel is not just a news. It's not just the good news, but it's the very news that can transform your life. And it means eternal death or eternal life, and especially also abundant life here and now. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Eugene. And indeed, Jesus is Lord of all. And he desires to be Lord in your heart. So Brother Gary is going to come and lead us in a, in a hymn of invitation. An invitation in which, to which you can respond by giving your heart and your life to Jesus. You've sensed the tug of the Holy Spirit, perhaps before. Certainly this morning, you sense the tug of the Holy Spirit. So as God speaks to your heart, will you come and simply say, Pastor, I need Jesus, and a member of our staff will be here to pray with you that you might come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus this morning. Any other decision God lays upon your heart, altars always open for folks to come and pray. We're so grateful for the partnership God allows us to have in sharing the gospel in Moldova. But in this place this morning, there's someone right here who needs Jesus. And if that person is you, I pray you'll come in just a moment when we stand and sing. Now, Father... I don't know who he or she is, but there's someone here who needs Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, who died on the cross and arose from the grave that our sin might be forgiven, that we might have eternal life. Father, draw that one or those several to yourself right now. I pray in the beautiful name of Jesus.
Amen. You stand and you come as God speaks to your heart.